Father, thank you for the joy that you give us. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the fact that you have loved us so well. And Lord, we just ask as we look at how you have dealt with uh, the brokenness of humanity, when not only when you were on the earth, Lord, but you still do that today, that we would uh, uh, reach out and expect great things from you, Lord. Uh, encourage us in our faith. Um, Lord, remind us of things that we need reminding of and teach us things that we need to be taught. In Jesus' name, amen. So we've been looking at this, uh, and I'll just read it really quick, and then we'll jump into the, uh, a different passage here. But we've been looking at Jesus cleansing the leper in Mark chapter 1, verses 40 through 45. It says, And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, or compassion can be uh, another word, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately a leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your, clen and, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. Now, um, just, just a quick uh, side note here. Um, people were coming to desolate places, but Jesus was meeting them in desolate places. I, I, I always like to look at it that way. It's not that Jesus was saying, you have to come to me, although he does use that word, but he is readily available. Yeah, and so when we hear, you know, come to Jesus, it's not that we have to go to some great work to, to come to him. He's like, I'm right here. And usually he meets us in those desolate places. So that's just a, a fun little side note. So let's look at, at Matthew 9, verse 36. Someone, if you could get there, please read it. When he saw the crowd... Right, so we looked at this a couple weeks ago on a Sunday morning sermon, this, this, this idea that, that Jesus looks at us as harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. That's what motivates him, right? Um, but how does this give us a greater understanding into God's heart, though, for us and even for this man with leprosy and others? <coughs> Excuse me. We're getting there. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. No, don't apologize. No, because this really helps define for us. Um, I find, um, I'll try not to be on a soapbox too much, but I find that the church historically, and I would say we're, we're in the one uh, of those moments now, wrestles with having compassion and pity for people, especially when we see the world in chaos and we see 
things that don't make sense to us um, who have been given uh, a right mind because of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so we look at, we have expectations often from people um, who do not have the ability to meet our expectations at all um, because they don't have, uh, they haven't been renewed. And so we get frustrated and upset. And um, I think that it's good for us to step back and go, what did Jesus walk into? Right? He walked into a place where he saw people that were harassed and helpless. And that really describes to me what we see today. Um, and it's helped me as I look at people who are struggling and wrestling. Um, and I'm going to put aside the media for a moment, but just in our community, when you see people who are struggling, and even people who are struggling to even be at church and, and who, who have the spirit that's willing but the flesh is weak, I, I, if I see them as harassed and helpless, um, that, and that Jesus sees himself as their shepherd, that helps me a lot to not get really bummed out or frustrated or irritated. Steve, did you have something to say? I was going to say it was, it's interesting uh, to me that uh, being God, the Word made flesh, uh, He knows the frame of what He intended in the beginning of the garden. I was just reading of the uh, in the past couple weeks over there. It seems to be a reoccurring thing. He sighs so many times, like how long do I have to put up with you? But I, I think that the sigh is also a possibility of saying, "Hey, this isn't. I didn't. I didn't make you." bondage to be a leper. I didn't bring, I, it wasn't my intention to sin and sickness and disease, demonic possession. And so I, I just find that interesting that uh, uh, there's just a place where it has, said he had compassion. Yeah. You know, being God, it must be difficult to say this, knowing your intent and then seeing the people, the, the hurt and the brokenness. Of yeah, I mean, I think again we're, that, that for God, because he is God and we're not, <coughs> I think sometimes uh, we try to still put what how we would look at. It. I look at 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 the never-ending love and grace of God and the compassion that Jesus shows, um, because He knows, He knows that they don't have the ability, and so I I don't think that He, I think His sighing is, oh man, I, you know, I have so much better for you. I mean, I look at when He's looking over Jerusalem, and He says, how long I've wanted to gather you. But you would have, well, you would have none of it, and I don't think that that's a, uh, and you know, so much. But you wouldn't have it, you know. It's like, oh, that's his heart is to gather, and um, and so I look at, um, you know, a, a pastor friend of mine always reiterates that there's no greater joy in Jesus, and so his his thing is ex Christians, and even as people who aren't Christians, we've settled for lesser joy, mm-hmm. right? We've just settled, and I think God looks at us and goes, man, you're settling for something that is temporary, that's not fulfilling, that won't last. And that's why we try to find something else to give us joy for a moment. So back in Mark chapter 1, this word pity can be translated to be moved as to one's bowels. Now, I'm glad they didn't translate it that way because we'd be like, what does that mean? Uh, you know, I mean, that's um, like bad fair food or something. But anyway, but, but, but again, hence to be moved with compassion. So to have compassion. So the bowels were thought to be the seat of love and pity. And so when we think about that, when you think about um, you know, love and pity, the, the, the emotions that people get, you know, the knots in some, a, a boy's stomach when he wants to ask a girl out, or the, the nervousness or the excitement, the fluttering they have. Think of a wedding day, um, the fluttering that you have because of the excitements. 
Um, I think that that's why they would get that is because it all happens in this area here. I'm feeling a little, you know, excited or I'm feeling butterflies in my stomach or whatever. And that's where they would get that. So if we look at that, this is the move to the bowels um, of compassion. How does that give us greater insight what it means to have pity for um, another person? <laughs> well, what, let, let's skip ahead for a second, and, and we'll, we'll define something, and then we'll go back. What, what do, when you th- hear the word pity, you have pity on someone, what, in, in today's context, how do you define that? Empathy. Okay. Empathy. Okay. Compassion. Okay. So I think of Mr. T. I pity, I pity the fool, um, and I think that pity has been has been almost, in my opinion, and maybe it's just my worldview, um, has almost um, devalued the person to some degree. Um, you, you know, because pity should move you to action. I think as we look at. Uh, every time we see the word pity in, the, in regards to Jesus, it moved him to do something. Often, and I'm, this is my context, I, I might pity somebody, but I won't do anything. Um, well, no, I mean, I think that, that again, um, I feel sorry for them. Maybe, but often I'll go, I'll, well, I only feel sorry as far as I can justify their behavior, or this is a consequence of what they're, I don't look at them as harassed and helpless. I mean, I mean, often I'll look at people and I'll be like, you should know better, right? Which is the number one thing you should never tell your kids, but we did often, right? <laughs> you know, that and how many times do I have to tell you? Those are things that, that, that we learned you're not supposed to say, and we're like, well, we felt that often because, you know, we told them often and they... We didn't see them as harassed and helpless. We had expectations that they weren't able to um, to accomplish, and I think we do that with one another too. Okay. No, you're talking about an individual, but what about having pity like women living under the Taliban rule? Oh, sure, yeah. So, you know, that's completely different than an individual, right? Well, I think the principle is the same to some degree, right? I mean. Um, Except you can't really do anything to help a, a group of people. Well, you might be able to do something helping an individual. Fair enough. I, I mean, I think that, that, that does it move us to pray for them? Does it move at least, right? Does it move us to consider uh, their plight? Um, but then, obviously, with individuals, we have the ability in our context to do more for them necessarily. Well, and you do look at companies that are trying to do that philanthropic, sorry. Thank you. (laughs) Philanthropic. There we go. See, my mouth is waking up this morning. Philanthropist. That are trying to do that work of, of helping some of these people groups that are going through things like that. Um, I've read up on several of them. So, um, yeah. Oh yeah, I mean the girls kidnapped in Nigeria, all that yeah. stuff going on, crazy stuff. Yeah, 
there are organizations. Well, and even in America right now with the refugees, they're discovering right. young brides and things like that that they've brought over. So, I mean, I think, um, I mean, I, I, I wrestle with anger more than I do pity, I suppose, um, because it's just not right. <laughs> right, it's just not right to a 30-year-old man or whatever. It's just not right. Um, but I, so I move past feeling for her just to the anger that I get with how that shouldn't be. When I think of this and what we're trying to describe, um, I just recall times, you know, as a mom, uh, when my children were either in some type of physical pain or going through something, you know, pretty, pretty hard in their lives, just the way that I would feel about them going through those things, um, I, I, I feel like I understand that move, being moved to one's bowels. Because you just, there's a, a deep gut feeling that you get when your kids are just in the middle of tragedy or, you know, um, or being in pain through something. Yeah, I mean, I think the difference for us is that Jesus could do something about it. And I think often what you're describing, um, and you know, because as soon as you said that, I thought of childbirth. You know, I just felt for you, but there's nothing I could do. And you told me over and over, there was not during the process. There's nothing you can do anyway. But <laughs> I was thinking of our daughter. She had. She ended up having a really bad bout of mono that ended up um, kind of going down that vein of. of um, well, it gave her hepatitis. Right. Thank you. It, it, a type it, of hepatitis. Liver failure. But her, I mean, her eyes were all yellowish. Her glands were like so swollen. She yeah, was very, no, she very, was very sick. Jaundiced. And we ended up having to take her into the emergency room and not knowing what in the world was going on. And she had been sick for some time, um, just having some issues. And so, um, but just feeling so helpless about what to do because I had no clue what was going on with her. Just that, I, I can yeah. Yeah, relate to that. So I think when we look at the word pity, um, it really challenges, I think it challenges me. I can I think I can speak a little bit for everybody else to go, okay, do I really, really take the time to have that kind of pity and compassion for other people? Um, and I think we find it moments we do, right? We have moments, oh man, I, I wanna help, I feel bad for that person. Uh, I think you said feel sorry, you know, I feel sorry for that person that's moved me to, to something. But then I find that when I do something for that person, my expectation of return is not necessarily what Christ's expectation. I mean, hey, I helped you here. You should get it together now. I mean, I don't say it that in those terms. But that's, but that's really, I mean, really, that's, if I just were to strip away all the nice, you know, Christian sayings and platitudes, it'd be like, what I'm really saying is, I helped you, now get it together. Right. Right, and what's the, what's the phrase? Fool me once, shame on me, fool me twice, or fool, fool, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. And it's like, well, I don't want to be called that. <laughs> it's like, well, Jesus doesn't think that way. And so we have to... And I'm not saying that we didn't take advantage of because there's a fine line between helping and enabling. I understand that. But, but my heart is how can I help this person? Am I moved to really compassion 
for this person, and that's challenging to me. Jean. <laughs> well, and I think that the problem we've got in our society yeah. is there's a lot of us who are just, just don't want to adult, yeah. and we aren't equipped to adult. Adulting is hard. But it, but again, back to more, or Matthew 9, Jesus looks and says, man, these people are harassed and helpless. And, and so those kind of things that are coming out from people as adults, say, I don't want to adult today, or we see decisions, it gives us, I think, a better picture to go, oh, this is how they really are harassed. They really are helpless. And I think, again, my expectations, they shouldn't be. I, I, you know, but that's probably unfair. I was going to say, I wonder if, when I go to uh, uh, Fred Myers and Wincove there, it looks like the tyranny of the urges is really Yeah, and I think that, again, we have the chance here as, as Christians to go, wait, well, what was the example that Jesus set for us? And realizing that I cannot look at other people the way Jesus does without the help of Jesus. I can't make a difference in other people's lives without Jesus working through me. Because, ultimately, I'm pretty selfish. Um, you don't need to nod so much about that. You know? <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, great. So, so when Jesus yeah. uses, says harassed and helpless, is he referring to the whole human race? Well, some would say that that's what he's referring to. He's looking at the people and making a general statement. Um, he sees them as harassed and helpless. So I think we can uh, easily make that that leap to say that's how I mean, he looks at people. Even being a Christian, we feel sure. helpless and harassed. Right. No, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. But we're not sheep without a shepherd now, though. Right. So that's the difference. Uh, and so again, they weren't within the fold of the protection of God that we have because of Jesus, even though sometimes we don't feel it, right? I mean, we don't. That's why feelings you have to be careful with uh, because there are moments where it just doesn't feel like God is on our side, or things are happening our way, uh, or that we're protected um, from the evil one, but we are. Uh, and sometimes it just takes those moments for God to prove himself. I don't have, um, unless there's maybe an influence of a, of a Christian in their life, they don't have the shepherd coming to them in their moments of feeling harassed and helpless and putting that anointing balm of Gilead upon them, that oil like the shepherd does for the sheep, right? Well, yeah, and I just think that, that um, true shepherds knew their flock, uh, 
And I think one of the best pictures that is for us as Christians is the shepherd you see with Jesus with the lamb around his neck. And you've probably heard this before, but I'm going to share it anyway. If there was a lamb that would stray, the shepherd would actually break the leg of the lamb. And then while healed, would carry the lamb around his neck and his shoulders. And he would talk to the lamb and, and things like that. It's a beautiful picture of us. And then once the lamb's healed, the lamb is so familiar being next to the shepherd, it doesn't stray again. And, and so it's a great picture for us to go, okay, we're broken, and he takes us. And sometimes he breaks us. I mean, Psalm 119, 67, it was good that I was afflicted because I learned to obey your commands. And, and so, you know, before I went astray, but then I was afflicted and I learned. And we see that in our lives, I think we have these moments of faith crisis where we feel like you know something's being radically disrupted and it's because God loves us so much because it causes us to go whom where do I have to go I only have Jesus and and he's there quickly and sometimes that the, takes for me sometimes it takes a half a day to get there but you know I, I, we get there eventually so why do you think Jesus um, tells the leper to go show himself to the priest. He's following the law, yeah. one thing. Okay. It's, it's like, even though Jesus Why? I was going to say, it says, I didn't come to do away with the law, but to fulfill it. So it's a whole new, uh, a whole new covenant. But he's still operating under the Torah, and then the, the, uh, the culture would know that if there was a healing, you would go and show yourself before the priest, making a declaration, God has been merciful, and you'd offer the sacrifice. Uh, and the priest would acknowledge it, anoint you with oil, and minister, and, and uh, you'd be able to be received back into society. If you were a leper... Well, when we think of leprosy, this is how God set it up for them. Said when someone, I mean, if you look at Leviticus, if they have a leprous spot, the priest examines it, and then he sends them away, and then he, you know, the guy will come back later and he'll look at it again to see if it's growing, to see if it's pussy or whatever. And if it's not, he'll he'll, he'll tell him to go bathe ritually, and then he's back in the fold. Um, and that's a real abbreviated version of of the process. Um, so, what if Jesus hadn't have instructed him to do that. Well, it's like Steve said, I mean, fulfilling the law, I mean, in a sense, I don't know. Um, but it does, you know, in that society, that's what you need, really needed to do to get back into society. Okay. You were no longer an outcast. Mm-hmm. Well, but we see in a couple instances where Jesus is recorded as saying, go, do this. Yeah. Um, 
and I think again to to what you were all saying, would he have been then? Big what if, but I think it's something Would he have been then the sinless sacrifice if he hadn't have followed the law? Good point. Perfection. Right. I mean, so he fulfilled it, and so it's another example. And I think again, argument for to the Pharisees, Jesus told them to do this. This wasn't, you know, don't get mad at Jesus. He said he followed the law, and and so again, there's no. So when we look at Jesus on the cross, the Pharisees can't say, well, you healed those lepers. And then that one guy, and you didn't tell him to come. No, I did. I can't, I'm not responsible for them being yahoos and getting excited and going off and sharing. And what's interesting here is that there's an interesting picture of society here too. So we've all talked about how the leper would have had to show himself to the priests in order to be let back into public, right? Back into gen pop or whatever you want to call it. But, but here's the thing. He's healed. And he goes and he's talking to people. What does that tell you about the healing? He's an anti personality. He's grateful. I mean, when you're an outcast, and it's going to be like, you can't come to church, you've got COVID or whatever, some loads of disease, and you're outside and you get back in, it sounds like uh, he's grateful and he's acknowledged, he's excited. He may not even heard of Jesus. So he's going, Go and tell the priest, you know, he was probably okay. so excited about the cleansing. So when a leper was released back in, it, it, it didn't, you, people still kept a little bit of a distance well, initially so. because they still showed signs of leprosy. It wasn't like it was totally gone. It would have looked like um, dried up psoriasis to some degree now. I mean, that's probably, that psoriasis seems to be on the, on the. But in this case, Jesus healed him. Was that as untrue? That's and that's where I'm kind of leading with that is is that that you don't see any resistance to people talking to him. And and I think that I mean and immediately look at the impact he had was he was so received back into the community that I think the healing, if you want to talk about it, was was so significant that people couldn't deny that Jesus completely healed the man. Yes? Well, if a priest said that you were healed, didn't the people believe that? Because they had so many you know, things that they had. Sure. They, they would have believed it, but it would have been a process. So the priests would, would, would heal them, then they'd go, they would go bathe, and usually it's about a period of seven more days before they were coming back in, but they would have scars. They would have had still some sores on them that looked, you know, where people would be like, yeah, there's a white piece of flesh on you, uh, even though it wasn't pussy or anything. So I think to have, to have this kind of impact um, indicates that there was no hesitation from people. Now, again, we don't know who this man is. He might have been a prominent figure. I mean, I think if that, I think that might have been noted if it was important. Um, but we just see that, that he went and began to talk freely about, about it. I mean, just boom. And here's another kind of fun thing, and, and, and to spread the news. So before, if he was a leper, he was spreading decaying flesh, right? He was, he was death, basically. And, and if people came in contact with him, they would get it. And now he is spreading the good news about Jesus Christ. And so we see that you go from, from death to life to some degree in this. Um, I'm kind of amazed over there, the Pharisees over there. You know, Jesus is walking around, he's healing the blind, the deaf, raising the dead, and 
it's from an Old Testament standpoint, it's almost like they're clueless. He's, you know, he says to the Pharisees, you know, which one of you uh, convicts me of sin? Or, you know, tell me where I, you know, being a, a perfect lamb uh, before the Lord. And I just would say that I find it amazing that it never dawns on the Pharisees that I'm reading in the scriptures. Well, a few, maybe Nicodemus. You know, a few. A few. But, I, uh, you know, it's almost like uh, I can understand you don't want to give up your authority, but something big is happening. Well, think about it in our own times. How many times are we so locked into our our belief systems, our Good thought point. processes, Good point. that, and you know that we are just not going to accept whatever this person says. I mean, I think at times, you know, Jesus said, I think it was Jesus that said on the second on his second coming, you know, there's not going to be any question. You're not going to be hearing, you know, always over here or always over here. You're going to know. But I think in our society today, if, if he were to show up right now, right this very minute, how many people would doubt him? That's a good point. Well, and I think to your point, he does show up through us yeah. all the time. And people go, yeah, well, that might be good for you. But we're so <laughs> Well, and, and to your point, Jane, I think we, we need to stop and think often about how many times has God disrupted our thought process. Mm-hmm. We expect him to work a certain way, and, and he works a different way. Same result. I mean, we want to be more like him. We want people to, to come to Christ, and, and yet this is how it has to happen. And then he comes and goes, well, that's great, but your mind isn't as good as mine, so here we go. I, I'm going to go this way. And I think, again, with the Pharisees, who were religious, and they were, they were uh, works-oriented, righteousness, they were devout. I mean, I don't question their, their allegiance to, their, who, to God and what they were trying to do. But they said, Jesus has to come in this way. And, and they, they missed a lot of scripture, which is what you see Paul and Peter often doing, going, okay, but look at this scripture. Well, look at this scripture. Well, we didn't look at that scripture. Well, yeah. He's got to suffer. Oh, he's gonna be. He's gonna be scourged. He's gonna. You, the king. You know, your your Messiah is going to suffer death and then resurrection, and and so I think that um, when we, you know, look, this is how it has to happen. And I do that. That's my prayer process. Lord, this is how you need to work. And then it doesn't happen. So a few days later, I'm like, okay, Lord, I'd really like you to work this way. It makes sense to me. And then it doesn't happen. And then finally, I'm like, okay, whatever you want to do. And then it still doesn't happen, and then, oh, that's how you want to work. Okay. Um, and so, but again, it's always better. <laughs> always better than, I mean, I, have, I think I have really good ideas of how God's <laughs> supposed to come in on the scene. Always do. But his, he comes in, I'm like, okay, yeah, that was better. There's a song, um, um, it says, hallelujah. Um, anyway, but the line is, so much better your way. You know, and so you go through so much better. You're like, oh yeah. When I heard that line, I mean, I don't like some of the other lyrics in the song, but I'm like, 
that's a good line, you know. Great Redeemer, so much better your way. Yeah. Well, and you look at, you know, you were speaking about Paul. You look at Paul before he was Paul, and, you know, the fact that, as to Jean's point, he had set up, I mean, here he was, the Pharisee of all Pharisees, right? Having been um, a plus, 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 plus student, and, um, you know, and, and being so devout. Um, you know, to even kill Christians because of his understanding, right? Of, of, and so, and then God meeting him, you know. He was not expecting the it. The road to <laughs> Damascus, right? And blinding him, right. and then having him, you know, have to be um, out of it for the days that he was before he was sent someone and to then, open yeah. up his And then he was sent some time. eyes. For about 10 years somewhere else. Right, right. So, I mean, <clears throat> you yeah. know, the Lord, the Lord knows how to get a hold of <laughs> Yeah, so we see this response of the, of the leper. And so just a quick note, right? How does it impact Jesus' ministry? I mean, you guys can, can read that. It says he could no longer just walk into a town. <clears throat> so this leper told a lot of people, and, and a lot of people believed him so what what kind of application if any can we make to our experience in our lives without feeling too ashamed or condemned because that's what happens to me (laughs) go for it no i i had nothing to say (laughs) i know that's a shock Well, we'll be going into that a little bit. You know, he, he, he broke away. You know, we see that he did a lot of work alone. and he didn't um, just walk into a town. Right, so they came to him. And he, when he, he, you know, and there's places when you're in Israel where you can see this is probably a place where a large gathering happened because the streets are not very um, welcome to large gatherings uh, the way that they were made. So I think for us, and, and maybe I'm... I'm just the one, who, I get convicted by this in a good way because we all were outcasts and lepers before Christ. Christ redeems us. How many people am I eager to go tell? And that's just, I, we never want to be like, um, you know, it's never a, uh, you know, you have to. But it, it is a good challenge for us. Again, we're saved by grace. We don't have to go earn anything we don't need, I mean, this leper, he didn't do anything, right? God said, I, I'm willing, and I cleansed you, and, and go. Um, and so, and we do see other accounts of lepers, where ten come, and only one seems to really care that Jesus did anything for him. The other ones just go on and say, great, we don't see this great change in, in, in the, the ministry of Jesus. Um, and I never want, I want to be careful, because we aren't performance-driven Christians, you know, we, we, you know, our works necessary for salvation? No, our works necessary? Yes, right? So Jesus does all the work, but James tells us and explains us that as a result of what Jesus has done for us, that changes how we function and how we act. 
And so I never want anyone to feel this trip of, I've got to share, I've got to share. But, because we'll see today that sometimes even Paul and Silas, they wanted to go in a couple directions and, and the Holy Spirit didn't permit them. And so I think that's great for us to go, okay, I, I, I don't have to, it's okay to not say something sometimes. Um, uh, it doesn't mean that there wasn't another time in the same place they wanted to go that they did do work later. But I just want us to think, you know, in our context, as we, as we allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives, um, are there people that maybe we need to pray for more? Maybe we need to ask the Lord to give us a word for them um, in a moment or, or an opportunity um, to share with them. Uh, or also, I think, pray for them. Like, I think of people who are close to you, especially family members, pray that somebody else speaks into their life because often they've heard it from you and they don't want to hear it anymore. They know what you're going to say, but somebody else can say it. It's like with your kids. I've been telling you that. <laughs> and somebody else says it, and now it's, oh, yeah, you know, I get it now. And again, just every opportunity we have is an opportunity to share how good Jesus is. And it doesn't mean you have to lead with that. I'm not, I just want to, but I want us to be open and available that God has sent us out like he sent this leper. He sent us. And we have the opportunity to be ready at any moment. And then we trust the Holy Spirit that he's going to give us what to say, when to say it. Um, and that's a great freeing thing because I just need to be open and say, okay, Lord, what do you want to do today? You know, you have an opportunity with the, all the wonderful doctors and nurses you get to see to, to at least have a piece that they can w- look and go, why do you feel that way? Yeah, and I was thinking about that because in my life, um, I look at my past life and I don't see, I, I know God and Christ have saved me, but I don't see any of these spectacular I mean, it wasn't like I was a drug addict right. or a murderer or an alcoholic, you know, who, in which case the Lord has come into their lives and cleansed them of these things. Mm-hmm. Their, their other, I guess what I call 20th century America problems. Sure. You know? And with the, the, um, the cancer is... It's just like, you know, I'll tell somebody I have cancer and they're like, oh, you know, it's okay. I've been on this road since before I was born and I'm at this intersection. God has a plan. He's in control and he's So I think that, that, that I hear what you're saying. Um, and, and I understand that maybe many of us don't have this miraculous testimony of of, of a life altered and changed. But Ephesians chapter 2, and I think this is what God wants us to understand. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love in which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. 
And I think that, that those of us who haven't had spectacular or miraculous, I think of my brother who never seemed like he ever walked away from the Lord. He's just always been a Christian, right? But I think for those of us, which I think is the best testimony, by the way, but I think we still need to come to the reality that, wait a second, I was dead. Oh, I was. And, I and so... Sure. No, fair enough. All I know is I was going to hell and now I'm not. I mean, it's a simple thing as that. I mean, God, God loved me enough to save me from myself. Um, and because self-sufficiency, I think, is probably one of the biggest sins that we have to deal with, especially in our time. And so I think that, that I understand what you're saying. And I, sometimes I think that um, uh, the radical transformation, though great, is still no different than your radical transformation or my radical transformation or those of us who grew up in the church. And now we know that we're saved, and we're dead is dead. So I mean, I like it. You know, I've been here since the beginning of time. God's known it. He has a plan. He's in control. And that speaks volume to people who are in a world that's 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 in constant chaos and instability. How come you can feel confident? I love doing this. I, you know, I use a little humor. I say, I don't know about you, you know, be in a situation, but I need a savior. Mine is deep right here, right now. I need a savior. And they just look at me and go, huh? <laughs> yeah, but anyway, just saying that makes them go, why do you need a savior? Yeah. Well, I mean, they probably go, well, yeah, you do. No. <laughs> 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 yeah. 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 About time we realize that. No, anyway. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the life that you have lived and, and the death that you died and the, and the life that you now live um, because you paid and took our sins to the grave and you've made us alive in you. And thank you, Lord, for the examples of those who have been radically changed. Lord, may we realize you have radically changed us as well. And may your joy just flow from us as we just gaze upon the glory uh, that it is to, to be um, your kids and to have you as our shepherd. Thank you that we're, uh, we're protected by you and um, we're just so grateful for that. Bless our time the rest of the day. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm